Welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast with me, Toby Webb. In this podcast, we're talking about what regenerative approaches mean for soil health improvements in the vineyard. This is a session recording of a conference session we held on the 26th of November 2020 as part of the Future of Wine Forum 2020. It was sponsored by the British Standards Institution, Chateau Lube, Concha Itoro, DM and Control Union. And over the next hour, you'll hear Neil Collins, the winemaker and vineyard manager from Tablas Creek, Harry Farnsworth, Project Lead for Sustainable Agriculture at Control Union UK, and Gabrielle Blois, winemaker for Chicana Winery in Mendoza, Argentina, and his colleague Facundo Bonamazon, who is the agronomist for Chicana Winery in Mendoza, Argentina, and they are discussing regenerative agriculture, and the session is moderated by me, Toby Webb. So enjoy the next hour, and if you'd like more like this, please do search for Sustainable Wine on your podcast app. Not surprising, there's a big audience for a conversation about regenerative agriculture, vineyards and soil health. Incredibly important topic and one that's really exploded in agriculture in the last couple of years. Um, Everything from regenerative organic certification up to General Mills committing to a million hectares uh, of regenerative agriculture-based land over the next decade or so the commitments are coming thick and fast on sustainable agriculture so it's great that uh, we have perspectives from all over the world Um, as you can see from your agenda we've got Neil Collins from Tablas Creek in California Harry Farnsworth from Control Union UK and Gabriel Blois Bluisi tell me if I've got that wrong um, who's a winemaker for Chicana Winery in Argentina Mendoza and his colleague Facundo on a maison, who's the agronomist. So really looking forward to some different perspectives around the world. And I was just going to ask each of you just to say who you are, you know, very briefly, just introduce yourselves. Um, so in order of the agenda, Neil, why don't we start with you? Just give us, you know, 30 seconds on who you are and what you do. All right. Um, originally from Bristol, England, now living in Paso Robles, California, central coast of California. I am the vineyard manager and winemaker for Tablas Creek Vineyards, a property that's been certified organic since 2003, certified biodynamic since 16, and certified regenerative organic certification as of this year. Thank you, Neil. Uh, Harry, tell us about the, the work you do. Yeah, hi there, I'm Harry. I work for Control Union. Uh, Control Union uh, global global specialists in certification, auditing, inspections, um, mainly in the agri-food and sustainability um, sectors, um, <clears throat> right across the spectrum. Uh, and my job as projects leads in sustainable agriculture um, is to look at how we can improve some of these um, standards and initiatives we work on. And recently, we have been in the midst of launching a new initiative for regenerative agriculture called Regen Agri, which is started here in the UK, but is also going to be um, opened across our net, our global network as well. Thank you, Harry. Um, Gabriel Facundo, you are together <laughs> in a wonderful yard yeah. setting. Just tell us briefly what, what you both do for Chicana. Okay, uh, me, Gabriel, um, I am winemaker and um, operations director at Chacana. I work here since 2006. I started uh, working in, in, I studied in Mendoza 
and started working in 1999 in different uh, companies. Um, and then I, I did a lot of uh, experience abroad, like uh, every every vintage uh, I have been working in the other hemisphere uh, for vintage. And we certified um, organic and biodynamic uh, since 2011, and we got the, our full organic um, 2014 vintage and biodynamic uh, 2016. Hello, I'm, I'm Facundo, I'm agronomist from Chacana since 2010. Um, I studied in Mendoza, I born in Mendoza, Argentina. Uh, and this is the soul. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, looking forward to a really interesting discussion. Let me start out by asking you, um, let me start with you, Facundo and Gabriel. Um, regenerative agriculture is not always defined and it's not always standardized and suddenly everybody's becoming regenerative. Um, what does it mean to you and how has it changed how you approach viticulture and soil health. Okay, okay. Uh, my definition will be quite short and it's very personal, but uh, we, as you said, that there's no uh, definition here. Uh, so for me, it has to, I mean, I will define this as a, as a type of agriculture based in life, uh, where soil and life are the key factors. And the interaction within human beings, uh, life and soil is uh, what does everything. So. Uh, and I said interaction, not the domination, because, you know, uh, I mean, the nature is being dominated by human beings and, and we, we know all the problems that that uh, brought to us. Um, so I would say that um, we see it uh, as uh, regenerative agriculture is for us included already in the standards of uh, consciously organic uh, performed uh, standards and biodynamic. Uh, I know we will go uh, further in, in, in talking into this, but um, since in Argentina there's now uh, a standard for regenerative agriculture, we think that um, being biodynamic, for example, already by default uh, makes you practice uh, regenerative agriculture, uh, which for us is also a different thing than uh, sustainable agriculture. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, Facundo, let me ask you then, what it, for you is the difference between biodynamic and regenerative? Is there a difference? Do they, do, do, does one approach help biodiversity and soil health more than the other? Our approach is uh, that biodynamics uh, is the same that re re regenerative agriculture. Uh, we think that that is the the only certification that uh, um, that is re regenerative in in regenerative uh, agriculture. O other um, certification is not uh, enough to to be regenerative. Yeah, we we always make the joke uh, saying we are not sustainable. Uh, because we think regenerative is a different thing and we think that this, I mean, biodynamic management uh, makes you being regenerative instead of being sustainable. Um, I don't know, uh, we, we are not experts about certifications in, in sustainability, but here in Argentina, some of the programs we have, uh, it is enough only with the taking compromise of changing some things uh, for good 
uh, that makes you sustainable on your label. And we think that's a very far away from actually doing, uh, I mean, performing regenerative agriculture. And so um, what changes have you seen in your soil health since you've adopted biodynamic slash regenerative practices? Uh, I think we have seen the main decision for us to change the agriculture was uh, we started seeing compaction problems. We, we are coming from what we call conventional agriculture. So we, we were coming from the chemical management. Uh, you know, the big garden vines that grow really fast and soils that get uh, uh, badly treated uh, with herbicides and, and synthesis fertilizers. So uh, when we started the change, of course, we, we were afraid because most of the bad things, I mean, the, the things we've been selecting uh, were up there like uh, causing problems to us. But then little by little, we, we, we were able to create, uh, to, to improve, I would say, soil texture, uh, to decompact uh, using roots of the different plants. Uh, that helps also with water retention. And I would say also um, something very important is that the, the balance of the vines has been different. Uh, at first, we had like a decrease of the yield. But now, after uh, several years of, of this management, uh, we are uh, getting impressed uh, on how uh, fertility improved and, and, I mean, the vigor of the vines is balanced. And even the, the, the grape juice is much better to make wine than it used to be. So, and I think this is a subject maybe for another whole forum. But uh, when you produce this way, you need, you need nothing else than grapes to, to make the wine, <laughs> which is another chat. But, yeah. How much land are you farming biodynamically? And what's happened to your yields in recent years? The yields was um, not suffered uh, any um, decrease in, in quality, in quantity, and as Gabriel says, we have more uh, equilibrate uh, juice um, in grapes uh, than the, the wines. Uh, but I need, I need to. We need to understand the, the relationship uh, um, between the, the plants and the microorganisms because it's very important to, to make soil. Uh, and the microorganisms, fungi, uh, bacteria, and others, um, has a, an important um, role uh, um, making soil texture, uh, structure, and, 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 and to uh, put in, in available forms of nutrients. Sorry for my English, um, but uh, the microorganisms uh, destroy complex substance and unavailable, and unavailability for, unavailable for plants and, and make simple uh, substance that uh, that the plants can uptake. Thank you. How, how are you measuring? How are you measuring your soil health? I know you can look at soil. You can hold it in your hand. You can look at the vines. You guys know your vines like like children. But um, how do you scientifically measure improvements? Do you, do you do that? Yeah, you you can you can measure compaction with a 
penetrometro. <laughs> I don't know the name in English, but it's something you 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 use to to see how hard is the the layer of soil you're working in. You can measure texture, density, you, density, apparent density, uh, organic matter, uh, and this is uh, an important thing. This this kind of practice, I mean, nature goes very slow, and maybe the uh, in the numbers. The, the improvements in terms of organic matter in a place like Argentina, which is really, I mean, we have really, really low uh, quantities of organic matter in, in, in the soil. So a very tiny increase helps us uh, improving all that I said, uh, texture, uh, water retention, uh, but it's tiny, tiny numbers. Let's say uh, 0.1 uh, will make a difference here. Do you ever have concerns that uh, biodynamic or regenerative practices could make your vines too vigorous. I, I know one winemaker who says that he wants his vines to struggle a little bit and he sometimes gets concerned about giving the giving the vine too much. Is that a concern for you ever? No, no. Our concern is uh, vine balance uh, and when you work with the ecosystem uh, and, and with nature, I mean we we bring nothing from abroad. Uh, when you have this system working together, it's very difficult. And in the conditions we do have in Argentina, because maybe in other places where you have uh, different soil textures or, or maybe more organic matter, uh, it could be a risk uh, to have two vigorous vines. But here uh, we call it, I mean, we, we feel like we, we have just the, the balance we, we need and we want in, into our wines. Actually, sometimes we need to to add, for example, more compost or more composty in order to help uh, having a better bigger. Um, because, you know, uh, here water and fertility is, I would say, the biggest challenge for agriculture in Mendoza, in Argentina, which is not maybe in other places. Yeah, so I guess your vines are struggling anyway, so you're just helping them a bit. What, one more question, uh, and then I'll let, um, we'll talk to the other speakers and then we'll have some questions for you. Um, someone's asking, how are you measuring biodiversity improvements? Okay, biodiversity is uh, something you can see. Uh, we also have been working together with, uh, we have a group um, in, in Argentina uh, created by different uh, producers. Um, and there's also um, INTA. Uh, there's um, a state uh, institution that uh, performs studies in agriculture as well, an institute. Um, and we have been measuring uh, fauna, like uh, little insects. Um, I mean, we, we just started, so we, we don't have yet uh, results to tell. Uh, but biodiversity is something you actually can see. Uh, I mean, we we seed some things uh, we want to grow because we want uh, their roots for uh, certain use, but then we let uh, most of the natural things to grow up. Uh, so, I don't know, if I could show you two pictures, uh, we, we didn't set up that. Um, uh, you will see Previously, we had uh, blank soil, completely blank with vines, and now we have this. I don't know if you can see it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have mm -hmm. prepared some, I don't know, plants. But this is some of the things we have. Uh, we have uh, we have been drinking wine as well, but um, we have also seed uh, wheat, uh, I don't know, sorghum. Uh, so that's the way we measure. We, 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 we seed and we... 
I mean, we, we use uh, the, the different plants. We have more than 50 species of different plants, and we start with eight. Wow. What's the number? Impressive, metric. impressive metric. Thank you. Okay, we'll come back to, uh, to you guys in a minute. I'm sure there'll be some really great questions for you, uh, much more expert than myself from the audience. Let's turn to, um, to Neil Collins from, from Tablas Creek. Um, welcome, Neil. Um, look forward to hearing your perspective. If I'm right, Neil, didn't you start out, did Tablas Creek begin with a collaboration with Bocastel? I'm not sure if that's still going. And of course, as I believe, Bocastel was a real organic pioneer back in the 60s. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and the partnership is still very much intact in and, and alive. Um, and yeah, the the predecessor of the current owners, uh, Jean-Pierre and Francois Perrin, their father, Jacques Perrin, started to farm organically late 50s, early 60s, I believe, uh, going absolutely against the grain of, of what was happening in those times. He, I think he just saw the chemical farming direction and saw a bad end to that. So he, he chose to go organic very, very early on in that process. And consequently, when Tablas Creek was founded, um, we began farming that property in 1990. Um, a commitment to, to farm organically was made there too. So it's it's been that way since, largely since the beginning. So let's talk about your journey then. Um, regenerative organic certification, I believe is the, the approach. It seems a, a pretty rigorous, Approach? Would you say it's kind of purist? Um, tell us about it, and tell us about what you've been doing and what results it's had. No, I, I don't think it's purist at all. Um, I think rigorous is a good term for it. Um, it. A lot of stuff hasn't changed immensely, certainly in our farming practice, because as I stated, we've been farming organically a long time. We were certified in two thousand three, but we were farming that way before that point. And biodynamically, we got our certification in 16. So as the previous two gentlemen from Argentina pointed out, if you're already farming organically, biodynamically, then you're a large way to, towards doing the right thing anyway. So the regenerative, the certification of the ROC, which regenorganic.org is their website, and it's really worth looking at. It doesn't just focus on soil health, which is a fairly big attraction to us, because uh, during my journey, as you called it, through this farming, we brought a, a substantial flock of sheep into our vineyard as part of the diversity program. And so when you when you get involved with the, the ROC program, there's three pillars. There's soil health, there is animal welfare and health, and there is also farm worker well-being, health, rights, wages, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to adhere to all of these three pillars, as they call them, to be certified by them. But there's nothing, there's nothing outrageous about what they're asking to do. And I would say the biggest leap for us was the, the human element, not that we were mistreating people, but just we learned a lot during that process about our our farm workers who have been on the property with us for, you know, between 10 and 30 years, having more of a voice in day to day rather than being the silent workforce. And it, it was very, very enlightening for us. 
But soil health, again, as the gentleman from Argentina pointed out, we've been farming as best we, we can. Certainly, we try and improve every year and, and bring in new techniques and, and thoughts and uh, try to learn from other people. So uh, what can you tell us about how things have changed since 2016 in terms of biodiversity <laughs> and soil health? Again, I mean, it, well, I think what I can do is go back a little bit before that. As I was listening, I was, I was thinking, you know, we've been doing this for a long time and nothing changes quickly, right? So four years even, yeah, we've seen changes, but they're not necessarily dramatic changes. But what I will illustrate is when I first started investigating biodynamics and jumping into that world, which I knew nothing really of, to be honest with you, I brought in a, a consultant, a French gentleman, Philippe Coderet is his name. And there's a, there's a section of our farm that in the early days was used to grow rootstocks for the nursery section, which no longer existed. But that section had not been farmed organically. So, and it was just bare land at this point, not very much. But I brought him and I didn't tell him any of the history of the farm and he just wanted to walk the farm with me. And as we walked around the farm, we came to this block, this piece, and he he pulled up straight and said, okay, he bent down and grabbed the soil and did that thing, sniffing. And, you know, and he said, okay, this is not like the rest of the farm. The soil is not the same. What is the difference here? And that was unled by me. I, I thought that I saw that, but, you know, you, you tend to see what you want to see sometimes. So it was good to have that independent guy walk through our vineyard get to this piece of land that had not been farmed the same as everything else and immediately see it and smell it and taste it and, and pull me up on it and say, what, what's the difference? Uh, you know, now that looks like the rest of our property because it's, it's farmed in the same way as everything else. So that was, that was a pretty big illustration to me that what we thought is absolutely correct. Um, one of the big movements with, you know, biodynamic is such a such a strange thing. It's it's so hard to describe to people, and unfortunately, probably the most asked question about biodynamics is, do you bury cow horns in full of cow manure and that stuff and the preparations, which we do when we make all that. Yeah, but that is such a small picture of the overall uh, element of the overall picture. It's the biodiversity and the other the attention to details that we make that I think is 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 important in that and one of the things that that we got into when we got into the biodynamic thing was the sheep and that's that has made an impact for sure i mean we graze we mob graze as they call it um we have a shepherd that runs them now and they've made a huge impact and you know we started planting fruit trees every time we plant vineyard amongst the vineyard for more biodiversity because you realize we're growing a monoculture here we we've got a We've got to diversify this as much as we can. I mean, it's it's a vineyard, so there's limits, obviously. But the those elements, I think, are important. And I was thinking about this while you guys were talking. And the nice thing about the ROC is it's very um, understandable. There's none of the mystery of the biodynamics. It's very clear cut. You know, here are the things. These are the things that you're looking for. These are the things you want to see. And it, it's not intangible, you know, we're not burying anything in the ground or doing anything mystic, which biodynamics can seem a little bit, even practicing it, you sometimes wonder. 
Well, it's a bit of a spectrum, isn't it, biodynamics? I've, I've talked to Monty Walden about this. He's written a number of books on it. And he, I think he said it's sort of half science, half cult. Um, and he likes the science bit that he thinks he can prove. I mean, how far do you, do you take it um, on the spectrum of biodynamics? Uh, I'm going to have to say this. I'm going to upset some people, I think. But I sat in a conference with Monty and he made the statement that the term sustainability is the parking lot for the unambitious which is pretty funny and upset a lot of people in the room at the time. But um, I think it's all important. I think the whole thing is important. I think it's a, honestly, I think it needs to evolve. I think the things that Rudolf Steiner was doing when he, when he gave those lectures um, were appropriate for where he was and what he was doing and the time frame. He wasn't growing grapes in California. So some of the stuff to me, doesn't make sense you know bringing a, a red stag bladder from austria because that's what he used if he were in california he would have used a stag bladder from the locale not from another continent i believe you know so there's some evolution that that is happening there and i think that's a necessary thing um it has improved our vineyard dramatically just in our practices and how we see and how i see what it is we're doing and what it is we want to achieve I mean, at its core, in my mind, it's a whole farm situation. You're, you're treating the farm as an organism unto itself, and we're not bringing anything in from outside. All our compost is made on our property from, from products that are generated through the winemaking process and the vineyard pruning process. The manure comes directly from sheep, which are now animals that have always lived on our property. They're, they're their own unit and we're into several generations so they're all from from our land so it's very self-contained and and in my my mind that is one of the most important facts of the biodynamic thank you well i'm sure there's some your question or did i just go on no, a tangent yeah, pretty much um there's some good comments here on the chat function if anyone has some more questions for uh, for for neil um do do ask um we've got some very good comments um someone's asking do you have a state? Do you, I suppose you don't have the stateside aversion to Brett at Tablas Creek. Does that make sense as a comment or a question for you, Neil? Yeah, um, it's a that's a long and interesting question. I love Brett, um, but making wine for the the world at large, most people these days do not love Brett anymore, like they once did. So, Tablas Creek is is free of that particular native beastie. All right, thank you. Well, I'm sure there are more questions for you. Let's turn to Harry. Harry Farnsworth um, from Control Union UK. Thank you for your support of the conference. Really helps make it happen. Um, so Harry, tell us, um, why is Control Union in, in this space and, and what, are you, what are you working on and what are you hoping to achieve? So as I mentioned briefly in the uh, introduction, you know, we've got a sort of wealth of experience in sustainability standards, um, organic as you know we've been talking about here and through that sort of work in the field we we saw that there was a need um as uh, neil quite rightly put to go beyond sustainable to get out of the parking lot perhaps uh, and look to uh regeneration and regenerating the land so over the last year or so we've been um, working with our, our agronomists our advisors um to to build an initiative around regenerative agriculture called Regen Agri. And it's really been designed in a way to 
help farmers and agribusinesses across the supply chain transition towards regenerative principles in a way that makes sense um, for their operation type and their size. I mean, because regenerative agriculture, to, to echo what some of Neil was saying about um, biodynamic being, you know, taking the stag bladder from wherever, it's it's got to be appropriate for for the um, for the land that's being used on what what works on the tropical um, climate of Brazil might not work on on the Yorkshire moors. Um, so we then have formed a, a group of governance made up of six um, expert companies to help guide the initiative um, through continuous improvement um, to make sure that we're measuring the best metrics and in, in the best possible way. And it's really important, I think, to to maybe uh, we've been talking about the ROC um, initiative here as well, just to to say, you know, we're we are slightly different from the fact that we are open to organic and to, to non-organic. You know, I don't think organic is always appropriate in some of the markets we operate in. We operate in 77 countries worldwide. There isn't there isn't an organic market there. Um, it, it, it offers farmers a way to enter into regenerative, sustainable minded farming um, without the period of um, transitioning that we have in here in this country to two, three years as well. Um, and, you know, we wanted to build a platform uh, and make a digital version. So it, it was uh, easy for, for those farmers to use. The, they can start assessments. Um, they can go back onto the farm and come back and, and uh, the, all that will save for them. Uh, and it's, and it's using that insight that we've gained and um, the help of the governance to make sure that, that uh, we can open this up to as many farms as possible. Thank you. Well, it seems like a, a noble initiative because there needs to be some clarity and guidance on this. It's, and actually leads to a good question that we've seen from Suzette um, asking, what advice would Gabriel and Neil and, and also uh, you, Harry, give to a, a new company that wants to convert to organic biodynamic and further along? What are the first steps to take? I'm, I think Gabriel and his colleague might have thought they were they were done and, and might have might have left us. I'm not <laughs> sure if they're still here. I don't know, Gabriel Facundo, are you still with us? I think I'm I here. Are oh, you here? Great. I couldn't see you. So, just unmute because uh, we, we mute because it was uh, wind and we yeah, of course I couldn't see you, so I wondered what happened. So, um, yeah, someone's asking, what advice would you give to to someone who wants to start this process? Yeah, let's say let's assume that they've got a conventional vineyard that they're doing that with. Where do you start with this? Okay. An open question to everyone. Uh, yeah, sorry, that's a good question. That's for, for Gabriel and for Kundo to start with, okay. and then we'll ask Neil and then ask, uh, ask Harry. I think that the first thing is um, to make the decision and understand why you want to do it. Because, uh, I mean, this kind of farming uh, depends on commitment. It's not something you do uh, because of um, marketing reasons. Uh, I think that's a big problem we have in, in the wine industry. Uh, people that approach these techniques uh, like trying to have uh, something else in the label. Um, as uh, Neil mentioned, this need commitment and, and interaction uh, within uh, the people who works in the vineyard or whatever uh, is the activity you perform. Then I would recommend to um, to consult uh, somebody that uh, have done it. Uh, in our case, we, we had the pleasure of working with Alan York, who was a great guy, and, and he advised us quite well. He said, the first three years you will hate me, 
the second uh, <laughs> two more years you will start adapting and then you will uh, you will see that uh, this is I mean this is a never-ending improvement I think it works like that and I, my biggest advice will be uh, be ready to unlearn whatever you think you have learned <laughs> because you will have to uh, interact with your uh, vineyard or, or your farm in a different way and you will have to understand uh, which is more the holistic view that I think is a great uh, point from biodynamics uh, it doesn't work isolating variables uh, or counting things uh, it works uh, watching uh, what is happening <laughs> in your vineyard and trying to make the adjustment to make it work Thank you. That's that's great advice, uh, Neil. Let me let me turn to you. What? How would you answer the the question about getting? I mean, I think I I very much agree um, with with that statement. I I think it's important. You know, I have a lot of people ask me these these questions, and you can't be in a hurry. You know, you you just got to make small steps into it. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. I think the statement that three years is gonna is important you know i think that's what it is these days to convert to organic in the united states anyway it's a three-year conversion time frame and you've got to you got to look at things differently you know it's not your vineyard is not gonna look like it did when you were putting down pre-emergence and spraying roundup and poisoning the rodents you're gonna have to live with some weeds and you're going to have to learn to like the weeds and you're going to have to start planting cover crops in your rows. It's not going to be the pristine polished vineyard that, that some people have come to think is how things should look. Um, and, and go visit some organic farmers, talk to them, but don't be in a hurry, I think, and don't be intimidated by it is the thing. It's, it's not a hard thing to achieve, um, but one step at a time, you know, and it's, and I, I, I always tell people it's okay if you don't get certified organic. If there's some parts of it that you can't quite stomach yet, do what you can and then it'll grow on you and eventually you'll get there. It, it's, a, it's a process and it's a learning process. You've got you to rethink what you're doing a little bit and you've got to trust nature a little more. And the important thing with organics to me is that a lot of it is preventative. If you if you don't prevent the problem, if the problem arises, you don't have a big hammer like the chemical guys do. You got to stop it before it starts, or control it, or have it controlled naturally before you get into a dire situation. Because once you're there, it's a struggle with organic stuff. Because the the incredibly effective products that are available to the chemical farmers are not available to us. In your experience, Neil. Um how long does it take to clean the soil of a conventional vineyard? I guess it just depends on the soil structure and how many chemicals have been used and for how long. Um, is yeah. that right, or is that just a sort of? I, I think. I think that's a. I think you you have to realize, and what a lot of these certifications, a lot of people tend to forget, is every farm is different. You know, the the soils and the the environment of, of our farm is different than a guy a mile down the street. So it varies on what's been done and what's been put on the ground. There's some pretty, pretty nasty stuff out there. I believe I've never used it, but I've heard that there is. And I, again, you just can't be in a hurry. You got to, you're doing the right thing and you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for your kids and your grandkids and the next generations. You're leaving the land and the soil and the, the world in a better place. And I think, you know, the, 
to go back to the ROC people, their their motto is farm like the world depends on it. And I don't think it can be much better put than that. You know, it's it's for the it's for the future as well as for right now. You know, we're making great wine from great farm farm land. You know, we're farming soil is what we're doing and and the vines benefit from that task. Thank you. Um, so Harry, on the getting started question, what would your advice be? I'd say one of the most important things to do is actually to establish a baseline of how things are already. If you haven't been um, taking soil samples, if you hadn't been tracking certain metrics on your farm uh, on vineyard, I think it's um, very important to start and, and lay down um, quite a rigorous you know, process to follow that tracking as well. You know, soil sampling can vary from season to season um, depending what's happening on, on, the, on the farm. So you want to set in a, a certain time of the year at the same time every year in the same place that you you start measuring these effects so you can actually really build up a proper image of what's happening on the farm i'd also take advice uh, as neil said i would i'd look for someone who's done it already or uh, a company which can help you uh, can help you and advise through it um and i'd actually i'd probably look at the financials as well we we see perceived um cost of transition um as prohibitive and a barrier to entry to regenerative schemes um, where actually it isn't a bigger cost as people sometimes think it is so you know you know it's a tagline one of our taglines at work is you know it's for the health and the wealth of, of the land and those who live on it so it's got to make economic sense for your for your business as well otherwise it won't be there at the end of the day but um, yeah, I would take advice, um, set a baseline and just have a look at your whole farm business and make sure what you're doing is appropriate for you. Thank you. There's a really good question on scale. You know, where do we see this leading? Um, uh, Gabriel, Facundo, let me come to you on that. Um, how, how widespread are the practices that you use in Argentina? Um, you know, are you regarded as strange people for what you're doing? Or is everyone copying you? Give us a sense of wh where your approach is, is going elsewhere in Argentina. I think in, in Argentina, I'm sorry to, I feel, and I, I hope I, I don't offend anyone, but I think there's not enough knowledge to understand uh, certain practices. Argentina wine market is uh, too much domined by marketing. Uh, so, Every nice word like terroir, uh, sustainability, authentic uh, will be on a label like presuming quality or even oak. Uh, we still have uh, uh, labels that mention roble, which means oak. Uh, so imagine that um, people are far from from going, going in uh, deep into 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 the meaning of. Uh, biodynamic or gener regenerative uh, farming. So we are not, uh, I mean, we're not taking as weird uh, people, but uh, I think there's no much knowledge uh, uh, about it. Uh, and I have to say that uh, sometimes people will disrespect or simplify the meaning of things. For example, I, in many wine fairs, I heard the, my neighbor, you know, in, in the stand uh, next to me saying, in Argentina, we are all organic because it doesn't rain which is like the biggest uh, full comment that uh, somebody can make because it, it denotes that uh, you know nothing about uh, organic farming. <laughs> so uh, this is the kind, I mean, 
unfortunately, I think is the the kind of market we work in, uh, and we have like a big task on communicating this. Uh, that's why we, I mean, we try to participate in these events and we we try to promote this also in Argentina because. Once people have the, I mean, people are not uh, stupid, sorry to use the, this word, but uh, when they have the information and they only have to link uh, concepts, it's very difficult that uh, that someone will not understand the value of this uh, and that someone will not understand that the true diversity in wine or in food uh, has to do with this. Uh, it was mentioned before as well uh, that you're not, I mean, despite if we are both biodynamic, uh, your neighbor will have different things than you will. Uh, so your wine will be different and that's the beauty of wine, I think. Um, and that's a concept that is still not um, uh, known, I would say, in, in Argentine market. Sorry if I took too long, but I hope I replied the question. You're muted, sorry. Yeah, I was doing the classic mistake of talking while I'm muted. Um, <laughs> I assume for you then, sustainability, regenerative, it's not a competitive issue. Right? You're, are you willing to share everything you're doing with anybody, any other wine, winemaker or vineyard owner? Definitely. And I, I go further than that. I think um, it'll be great that the people that use those words as, as marketing tools uh, will invest in, in getting to know how it works because uh, and mainly, I would say, big companies that use these uh, marketing tools, you know, to to make it sound beautiful, they have the ability of investing money to 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 study and to learn. Sometimes companies like us, we don't have the the ability of doing that or or the economic capacity. So that's why we in Argentina, there's a new group of people, and we have joined and we uh, invest all together. For example, to study the biggest problems we face, which is uh, ants. Uh, or fertility problems or, or whatever we need to understand and to know how, how to improve uh, in our ecosystems. Great, thank you. Um, very interesting. Um, Harry, let, let me bring you back in here. Um, the, the scale question for regenerative is something you must have been talking about a lot with your colleagues. Um, what are your views on, um, on how we kind of tackle that and, and get it across? Because it, it's such an interesting area because it's such a widespread term now but there's still this confusion about what it means in some cases and and how it can scale. So what do you think about that, Harry? Yeah, I just quite quickly like to say, I think Gabriel's point there, what he was saying about pharma networks, I think peer-to-peer learning is is one of the most powerful ways to scale this. So any more schemes like that, we'll see more people adopt it um, the quickest because uh, at the end of the day, people like learning from people who they feel are in the same situation as them. Um, the scale comes up, you know, at work. Um, we deal with some very big agribusinesses and some big companies. And I think the bottom line of it is really it needs to scale. So there isn't sort of a secondary option to that. How that uh, establishes itself on larger farms is a more tricky conversation to have. Um, there's probably two, there's probably two facts of uh, factors of regenerative school at the moment there's probably regenerative with a big r and, and regenerative with a slightly smaller r um but if we work on a sort of continuous improvement better better you know best um better best sort of um solution and start moving these larger companies towards um increased sustainability regenerative uh, practices then that's only a win 
Um, it is going to take a while to unpick the the larger um, systems. Um, there's also questions around um, policy and, and where governments are going to push the agriculture industry. And if we take the UK, for for example, we've got a pretty tricky time here with with trade negotiations coupled at the same time as a relook of our whole agricultural policy. Um, so that's a double blow for, for farmers, be they uh, conventional arable farmers or, or in vineyards. Um, so it, it's not an easy uh, question to answer, but I think that's why initiatives like ours and, uh, and others around there are important. And I know not everyone always likes to see another label cropping up and it can be a confusing climate for the consumer on, on packaging. But if there isn't some sort of way of measuring these changes, A, we don't know if they're effective and B, it opens the door to fraudulent um, fraudulent practice, which w was, was a problem in the organic movement to begin with. Um, sorry, I've, I think I've rambled, but it's... Um, it's a, it's a it's a it's a tricky thing to unpick, but it, I think it needs to. It, we need to do it, so we've got to work out a way of doing it. Thank you, um, Neil. Same question to you. If if I'm not mistaken, the the ROC has non wine businesses in there. Um, I do, do. I know some folks at Patagonia. They're very excited about about the scheme because they have a Patagonia provisions um, division now. They their Patagonia beer. Is that right, Neil? Is is it broader than just vineyards, and is that the key to scale? Absolutely, it's bro broader than vineyards. There's there's textiles, fiber. There's there's a good representation of, of many businesses involved. There was 19, I think it was 19 uh, people in the pilot program, of which we were the vineyard, and each one was a slightly different area. So of course, Patagonia were involved. Dr. Bronner's soap was involved, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it is. I mean, I kind of feel. I don't know how best to put this, but being a winery, we we have quite a a good uh, platform to promote this stuff. You know, I think other types of farming don't get as much attention because they don't end up with a bottle of wine, and people do like a bottle of wine. And so we have a voice that that we need to use, and I think it's important that vineyards and and wineries do let people know that this is how we farm and, and we're doing the responsible thing. Scale, you know, it's so complicated. It's, you know, sustainable is a great, is a great thing and everybody should be on board with people farming that way, but it just got, I think it's just too diluted with, there's no real definition there. There's no structure that you know what you're getting. And I think, you know, ROC is an important thing. I hope there doesn't end up being 20 different, groups doing that same thing because then you lose the focus a little bit so i think keeping focus on what we're doing and and knowing that there's integrity behind what's happening is very important so making it very difficult to achieve is is a good thing you know because people aren't just going to do it for the for the blah 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 they're going to do it for the right reason and that's very much for us we we believe in farming this way we believe in what it does for the the land and for the future and for our environment beyond a bottle of wine it's important to us and i i think that's an important thing thank you um let's um we've got a bit, bit more time so if there are any more questions for for our speakers do put them into the uh chat box um patricia say asked, something 
Sorry, please. I just to say something. What Neil just said. I think that's a really uh, important thing uh, for for the audience here that he's just brought up about vineyards having this platform that other types of agriculture hadn't, and it's something I hadn't really considered before. But listening to some of the other conferences earlier in the day as well, um, I know the route to market for for wine can be a lot shorter than other commodities from agriculture. So if you are selling direct to your consumer or you're selling from your vineyard, the power of the story and what you're doing is, is translatable so much, so much easier and so much more quickly and with so much more effectiveness if people are, are selling the story at the same time they're selling their wine. And before I worked at Control Union, I used to work in the, in the fin beverage industry. And you know the products that we sold were all sold for their, for their story. And, and people are buying into this um regenerative and sustainability and they're, they're looking for it from from the brands they're buying so i think that's a great point that that neil just brought up so harry when you see the news that walmart has announced they're going to become a regenerative company do you feel like perhaps those kind of companies are going a bit too far too fast or is it a good thing because eventually it'll make it happen i think it's probably i think you probably answered the question i think it's probably a bit of both of that i think it, it needs to be watched to see if they're doing what they say they're doing. I mean, if you take the carbon market, for example, it's growing extremely quickly and regenerative has been uh, has been highlighted as a way for farmers to access carbon markets moving forward and biodiversity markets. But it raises questions around double buying of credits. If someone's buying carbon credits off your vineyard, what does that mean for your vineyard? Are you no longer carbon neutral because you sold them? So there's there's lots of things we have to work out as an industry together. Uh, and it, it's something that's definitely become very apparent in setting up Regen Agri, especially with, with forming the governance group, is, is companies are very open to collaboration at the moment in a way I'm not sure people have been before. Uh, and as Gabrielle was saying, you know, he's very open to talking to um, the other vineyards in his area and, and, other, and other growers and sharing the knowledge. Because I think the realisation that, that change needs to happen is, has become so much more clear. Thank you. Um, Neil, um, the same question for you that I asked to, to Gabriel and Facundo. What about other producers? Um, you know, are you being asked a lot about your work or is it accepted that everyone's kind of headed in that direction uh, in the kind of the world that you that you live in of other other winemakers you meet what what's the kind of attitude they have uh yeah the, we have a lot i mean literally just this morning we got an email from one of the biggest uh wine producers in the country and their vineyard team wants to come down and tour the vineyard with us um and this is a direct result of the roc business uh we saw a lot of it for organic and a little bit for biodynamic less so the ROC, the regenerative thing, is having a much bigger impact for us as far as attention goes than than anything previously. Um, there's a lot of interest in it, um, and it's it goes beyond the wine industry, which is interesting. As you pointed out, it, it's it's a broader scale of of farming. So we're seeing interest in it, what we're doing beyond just the wine industry, which is kind of interesting and and very cool. I mean, it again. Here it is. It's a platform for us to to speak with our neighbors and and absolutely, uh, our gate is open to anybody that wants to come and and look at what we're doing and and we we encourage people to come. We invite people to come. We we want to promote this style of farming. It's it's 
it's important to our our world to the to the climate to the everything the environment it's the more people that we can get on board the better that so yeah the gate is open and and people are always welcome to come and see what we're doing and you know not everything works it's not a perfect world by any means you know i've i've failed a lot in the vineyard <laughs> but you know that's part of the game yeah i once had an investor in a business i ran it who told me that success teaches you nothing yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. learn from um do you see a time where the standards like regenerative organic certified need to be more holistic of issues like climate change i'm thinking about carbon capture from fermentation and um, where, where do you what's your thinking on that um because it does seem to be something that's, that's starting to happen now in a few cases it is it's not something i'm super familiar with though we have discussed it um i'm pretty sure that one of the great breweries in in california sierra nevada does a lot of that carbon capture of, of their ferments and i think it is something we need to look at you know we're focused so much on the the vineyard that we are we are in the process of certifying the winery as organic too the wines probably not because we'll always want to use sulfur until something better comes along you know you have to you have to have a balance we have to put a a bottle of wine with great integrity out to the market so we're always experimenting with with sulfur free wines and maybe one day we'll achieve it but yeah i think turning our attention to the winery is definitely something we're doing we're already pretty good with what we do but yeah the the emission of co2 is a big deal in a winery setting and and if we can do something with that i think it's a great idea i really do and you know our our winery is all solar powered and all that good stuff you know it's one step at a time and we'll keep going this is this never ends i mean it's never going to stop we're going to realize things we're doing now aren't as good as they could be and we'll change it you know it's no no we're not here saying we're doing everything correctly in the best way we're trying to get there and i don't think it'll ever end but it's as long as we're moving in the right direction it doesn't matter how quickly we're moving there as long as everyone keeps moving then it's it's got to be a good thing right absolutely um gabriel let, let me ask you and then we'll, we'll turn to, to harry as well um gabriel and facundo what are your views on you know measuring ghgs in your uh vineyards and things like carbon capture is that a bit further down the road or is that a conversation you're having about how you might be able to do that given how important climate change is to everybody these days rightfully so yeah we, we haven't been uh able to actually measure but all the i mean the activities we perform uh are based on, on fixing the carbon of course from the atmosphere uh i mean that's why we think life is important in, in this uh, type of uh, system. Also agree a lot with the Nail's uh, comments uh, about them. I mean, we need to do something about the emissions uh, in the winery as well. But that's the type of thing that I think big companies can approach uh, because uh, it's not, uh, for example, Chacana Structure is Facundo, myself and five other guys. It's very difficult to approach uh, big studies and, and things uh, unless you hire someone and then that costs a lot of money. And I think in this uh, type of um, uh, thoughts, you know, that uh, improving something, uh, and I'm sorry to say that uh, the way that the world works, uh, since nobody will s sell something to other one, <laughs> nobody wants to invest money uh, in studying how to, to, how to uh, lower the emissions or how to, to turn it in, into other things. So 
all we can do, uh, all we have in our hands is uh, trying to fix as much as we can uh, with our practices. And also I read the question about um, the glass bottles. Uh, I, I would say that uh, I would like to bring it uh, to, to the table because uh, sometimes the market don't allow us to, to get the lighter package because uh, people, I mean, again, we, we are in an industry dominated by the image uh, more than the taste. Uh, so no matter how good is your wine, uh, uh, in value and in taste, uh, it, need, it needs to look fancy and, and heavy bottles are, fa are fancy. So not every importer will accept a light bottle uh, in our Malbec. Uh, that's a very important thing, and I think it's a very important message uh, for the trade. Uh, we need to educate people about taste, uh, not that much about the image or, or the storytelling. Yeah, a big challenge, and we're going to be talking about uh, bottle weight and packaging tomorrow. It's a big. Hey, if I can, can I jump in there real sure. quick? Yeah, we we switched our bottle a number of years ago to a really much much lighter bottle. Um, it saved an immense amount of weight uh, in trucking uh, and everything. And, you know, we put out a big, Jason Haas, the owner of the company, put out a big blog piece about the ball and the environmental. And the thing, the biggest response we got was not about the environmental side of it. It was people liked it better because it fit better in their Kubernetes at their house. <laughs> so we had no kickback against it. Um, and we were trying to find a ball that looked like our existing heavyweight bottle at the time and then jason and i both kind of realized well what are we doing why don't we just rethink this and there was a bottle that had just come out that's made in in the united states which we try to buy that to save on the shipping and it was called the eco bottle and it was super light and we jumped in and we went with it and we've had no no to my knowledge no kickback against it which is really a relief though that being said absolutely people think if you've got a heavy bottle with a bunch of wax on top it's a, a better product which is a shame that people see it that way but there it is but i encourage people to to make that adjustment and think about that you know i think i forget what it was but it was tons and tons that we were saving with every truckload i think we saved a pound in weight per bottle when we made that switch thank you um so one more quick question for you neil then i'm going to turn to to harry for the answer on on climate change meeting regenerative agriculture, probably to close us out. Um, someone's asking, uh, Neil, a question. Can you tell us about a mistake you've learned from in the vineyard that's, uh, or a failure that you've learned from that's helped you, you know, do a better job on regenerative practices? And maybe, Gabriel, you know, if you can try and answer that question as well, that would be great. Oof. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where to start with that. Um, bazooka bubblegum doesn't kill gophers, I can tell you that. Um, nor does dry ice or a million things I've tried. Thinking something's going to fall into balance without our assistance, like squirrels, not going to happen. Uh, you have to help the process along. Um, wow. There's, there's a lot of things, I guess. I can't think of one immediately off the top of my head. I mean, not taking your eye off the ball is it's really important for us. I and mean, gophers, I'm not joking, it's... It's not something everybody has, and it's our biggest battle is fighting these rodents that, that can destroy you. I mean, they'll, they'll take an entire new planting if you allow them to do so. And, and as a good friend of mine once said, 
when you kill a gopher at seven, come from out of town to the funeral and they don't leave. So you, you have to stay on top of things. You can't let it get out of hand. You've got to keep the balance, I think, is, is the biggest lesson I've learned is don't turn your back on stuff. Don't okay. think you're finished. You're never finished. <laughs> Exactly. A continuous journey. Uh, Gabriel, and do you have any, any errors or mistakes or failures that you've learned from uh, in your vineyard in, around regenerative practices? Yes. Uh, fail, fail again, and um, fail better. <laughs> uh, we, we learned uh, based on fail and failing. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, we've done a lot of mistakes and, and we have ruined big amounts of wine, but that was the only way that uh, allowed us to understand what needs to be done. Uh, so I think, um, I don't know, failures are, I mean, are good for learning and we try things so they can fail and we can learn from them. So that's, that's my view from fails. It's a, it's a normal thing on learning people. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Harry, let me just turn to you then for a final word on the, the climate change question. It's obviously something you guys come across a lot in Control Union, you know, trying to draw together these disparate stand, strands. Do you see regenerative ag and, and climate change having to have a, uh, a closer relationship in terms of like, you know, winery emissions and so on? Uh, definitely. You know, part of what we offer is, uh, is also we have the ISO 14065, which is to verify GHG emission reductions, um, which, you know, I think there's important thing for, for people to look at is you, you can get quicker wins with the reductions. But if we're talking about sequestration into, into the soil in vineyards, that's, that's a long process. So, you know, you've got to think um, how long am I going to, if you, if you put all your eggs in just the sequestration reduction model it's going to take a long time uh, to see effects so we've got to look at uh, reductions that can be made across the whole practice you know looking look holistically you know that term is used a lot but look holistically across the whole practice and see where you can take some uh, you know carbon miles out of transport or re reduction move to renewables you know agricultural systems in a global context need to start becoming talking about climate change needs to become climate smart uh, and climate resistant uh, weather is becoming more unpredictable um, so looking at reintroducing you know agroforestry schemes into vineyards uh, i know vitaforest in in france are doing a lot of work with that and you know there's continuous studies coming out every week it seems about how yields stabilize uh, looking at land equivalent ratios um, under regenerative systems how, how there's actually an improvement um, but the science, I suppose, side of it, to go back full circle to where we started on biodynamic, the science side of it hasn't quite caught up for regenerative agriculture yet, but it's coming. And, you know, there's a lot of research happening into the relationship between different soils and carbon and how long it's in there uh, and how much you can actually lock into it. But um, it's very important, I think, to, to start on that journey now. OK, thank you. We have to finish up here. Um, fantastic contributions from all of you, Neil, Harry, Gabriel, Facundo. Thank you all so much for joining us from different parts of the world. Really interesting session. Um, we finished on climate change. We're going to continue with climate change in about 15 minutes, um, where we have a special guest uh, also coming to join us before we hear from uh, Miguel Torres and Adrian Bridge uh, and, and Joanne um, Griffiths from BSI in our final session. So stick around and we will be back in 15 minutes. Thank you. 